Welcome to the Genetics Podcast. I'm really excited to be here today with Caroline Cake, who is the CEO of Health Data Research UK. Uh, Caroline joined HDR UK in 2018, initially as the Chief Operating Officer and recently became the CEO. Before that, uh, my understanding is you were at McKinsey & Company um, and you did your MBA at Harvard and before that a Master's in Engineering from the University of Cambridge. Um, First of all, I'd just like to say thank you, Caroline. It's really great to have you here today. And I wonder if maybe just to start, you could tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to be at HGR UK, and and also what HGR UK's mission is and some of the initiatives that you all have underway. Thank you, Patrick. It's um, great to be here and thank you for inviting me. So how I came to HDR UK, you're, you're, um, you've kind of given an overview of my background and things already, but my, um, I guess, uh, starting as an engineer originally, working in control electrical systems in the chemicals and electronics industry, um, and so have always been really interested in how systems work, the role of data, and um, how, how organizations um, operate. I then went into management consulting um, and working both in government um, and in healthcare systems. Um, And so through that, really became very interested in in healthcare and the impact on people's lives and um, and the huge potential to to, um, really bring together data and health um, to to kind of really uh, make make a big difference to people. And so really when when the role um, at HGOUK came up, that was what really excited me about actually bringing these, the kind of world of data, engineering and healthcare together, um, really felt as though there was a huge opportunity um, in there. And and I guess that's how how I came into it. When did HGRUK start? It's a relatively young organization, right? And you joining in 2018 was was probably pretty early on in, in the organization's life cycle. Tell me a little bit about how it got started and, and who's involved. Yeah, I, so I joined within about the first, um, it, there are very, uh, between six to um, 12 months of it, of the organization starting. Um, as it, it was um, originally started through um, a group of core funders came together, um, 10 different funders um, kind of led by the um, Medical Research Council, who really wanted to um, make an investment in, in this space and create an organization that would uh, really advance the, um, the UK and um, bring in terms of in-health data science. So through the creation of this National Institute. And, and so my, my joining at this relatively early stage, the organization had just been established. Um, it was starting to uh, get the kind of key structures set up and the, the kind of um, the formative um, substantive sites associated with the HDRUK. Uh, and then since then, um, I've been very much involved in how that's um, evolved, the new funding streams coming on board and actually how we're, we're really building the strategy and the vision of the organization. Uh, so and I, I'm, um, we'll be able to talk about that further on in the conversation. Absolutely. What are, what are some of the challenges that you all noticed and and were set up to address? Uh, obviously, there's uh, there's been a much increased need for health data science as the amount of health data that we're collecting um, as part of the healthcare system has grown. But what is it that you all saw as the need there? Is it the is it access to data? Is it generating new kinds of data? Is it is it talent around um, you know people to make sense of all of these integrated pieces of data or, or is maybe all of the above? It's definitely all of the above and more. Um, so I think it's really interesting as you kind of work through, and this is maybe where my, my engineering mind comes into action, of almost the, the flow of what it takes to really get health data. And so our, our commission as an organization is to unite the UK's health data to enable discoveries that improve people's lives, which sounds great and sounds really a wonderful thing to do. But if you actually work through the steps of what it actually takes to make that happen, you, you kind of come across a whole series of areas that you need to unlock to make that make that possible. So first of all, 
just even starting with the are you asking questions in the right way, the research questions in a way that actually you utilizes um, the potential of data because uh, you can actually start asking questions in a very different way once you start thinking about actually we're no longer looking at this in a, in a traditional research way we're looking at this what if you suddenly had masses amounts of um, data on a much larger scale you start looking you could start asking questions differently so the first start step is actually can we have people who are really asking the questions in a way that uses data really well secondly then is is then knowing what data actually already exists to be able to answer that so there's huge amounts of data in all different sorts of settings how, how can you be um, knowing just what what exists um, there. Third then is once you've identified what exists, well actually how can you actually access it in a secure way and uh, in a way that's a kind of trustworthy um, for, for all on that. And then then even once you've got the data then actually a lot of the power comes from being able to link um, data with different sets. So actually being able to link different types of data so you can understand things in more depth. Once you've done that, then there's a kind of a challenges associated with, well, actually what the quality of the data is. It's not necessarily being gathered for the research purpose in the first instance. It may not have been captured in the way that actually is, is makes it as usable as it could be. So is the quality right in there? Then when you've got that, then actually do you have the... Um, uh, do you have people who actually know how to use the data or if they got have they got the breadth of skills needed to do that? So you mentioned the capabilities that that's a very key part of it. Are they then using it in an environment that is um, is functional and can is both trustworthy from a kind of public point of view, from a patient point of view? Um, but also, is it is it functional enough that the, the researchers can do the type of analysis they need to into it? Um, and then and then actually how you're involving the public and patients and practitioners, so be it the clinicians, um, th through all of this so that they really are involved and um, helping to shape um, the, the processes, but also really trust the system and processes around this. So there's a huge chain chain of different actions that all interconnect and need to be unlocked to really get the, the kind of the opportunities out of it. That's great. And, and I think the mission is a really great one. You started with um, how the mission is to first and foremost, you need to unite the UK's health data. I wonder if, if you could just go through maybe from a high level, what are the different sources of data that, that are being collected and that researchers are interested in and, and maybe how it is that you're able to go about linking those together? It strikes me as a incredibly challenging task because I know that the system hasn't, as you said, been necessarily built to enable research. So the data that's collected from primary care or hospitals is is collected for primarily for patient care, but then figuring out ways to actually securely, um, you know, and, and with the with the right privacy safeguards and, and things like that in place, be able to analyze data is, is a big challenge. So what are the sources of data that are available in the UK? And, and how do you actually go about linking those? So there's all sorts of data that's being kind of captured on us um, in, in all sorts of different sources and ways. So the, the, the kind of most obvious ones are every time you go into hospital, the, the um, data that's um, captured on you in terms of just the details about you, but also the, um, the kind of the outcomes and the, the care that you're provided um, whilst in hospital. You then have all the aspects associated with data with your GP um, or the data associated with prescriptions you have. Um, there's then data if you've chosen to be part of a cohort and, and you're perhaps doing a, um, a long term studies um, associated with that. So you might be in a disease specific cohort or you might be in just a, a collection of people who are born at the same time who are being followed and data captured on them um, as they go through. There's then uh, more general data in terms of um, data from the Office, Office of National Statistics. Um, so in terms of just population information about, about us all, there's educational data, there's all sorts of things that um, tell us about ourselves 
that then um, and and then and then it was obviously going into the more kind of molecular information, um, genomic information that really get into um, understanding a, a, a more in more depth about either us or about diseases associated with us. So th there's just huge amounts of information, and that's almost the traditional sets of information. You then have all the information associated with um, that we're capturing. So, for example, through COVID, um, you'll have things like symptom trackers where people are recording information on how they're feeling, what symptoms they're observing. That's all been collected. So if you can imagine there's all of these very rich sources of information. And if you can link aspects of this, you can start understanding more. So if someone is observing, um, uh, kind of capturing a series of symptoms on themselves, and at the same time, you know geographically where they are in the country, and you know that what they've been doing, perhaps is uh, um, the kind of travel routes that they've been taking, you can start building up a journey, a kind of an understanding of what's happened to them, um, and an understanding, so for example, in the COVID situation, what you understand more about the disease from, from being able to do that. So there are huge opportunities from being able to bring together different sources of information to help us understand diseases better. Yeah, that's excellent. And I think it would be a good segue into some of your COVID response. So I know you all have launched uh, what you're calling a data gateway. And it's, I think, not just in COVID, but in other research areas. I was wondering if you could explain a little bit about how this works. My understanding is it's um, it's not, in most cases, individual level information but it's it's one step higher aggregate level information potentially around zip codes or or cities or certain groupings of people. So you can do what you just described to link together things like geography and um, and responses and and other pieces of information to build a more complete picture of what's going on. Can you tell me a little bit about how that gateway works and and who's using it? Absolutely. It's slightly different from that. So it's the gateway has been was set up actually pre-COVID. Um, this was uh, set up because within the UK, um, all of those different sets of data um, I described, there, there are hundreds and hundreds of data sets. Part of the challenge is that people don't know what exists and what's there already. So what the gateway is doing is, is first of all, providing a discovery tool. And there's um, some, over 460 data sets on it already on that. Many related to COVID, but many, many um, uh, separate from that. Um, and it, so first of all, it's providing a, a, almost a kind of a library of being able to show you this is what data um, data sets exist. It, it's telling you about the metadata. So it's, it's showing you for this data set, this is what's in it. This is a description. So it's all descriptions of the data. So if you want to research, you know what, the, what what's there in the data. Um, it doesn't hold any of the actual data itself in in the um, in the gateway. It then then provides a function of actually if you say you've identified um, sets of data that you'd be interested in, it's then providing a function of actually being able to um, apply for access to the data. But the data itself is held by data custodians, so they are in secure, trusted research environments. Um, so so in terms of actually you would then apply for access to the data, you then would be able to um, go through all of the secure processes to be able to access that. So it's not providing data to people, it's more um, providing a route to securely access the data so that you can then do the research and um, discoveries you need from there. I understand. So it's really about that discovery step, which I think is probably one of the biggest problems, right, is simply knowing what is out there and what already exists. And, and then people using the gateway can get in touch with the people or the groups that are involved in, in any individual project and understand how to access data. 
Yeah, and actually, and, and the access piece as well. So if you can imagine um, from, although it probably sounds a rather dull step to the process, but the access piece is a huge piece on there um, because of all the information governance processes um, and the, it is actually extremely complicated to get access and, and, and rightly so in terms of you want to have very secure setups and arrangements around each of our private information. Um, so the, the secure, very secure setup. So what, what the gateway is enabling is almost a streamlining so that actually, if you're a researcher, we can actually provide ensure that consistent processes are applied and used so that it is a more streamlined and clearer process as to how, how you follow it through so what we're looking to do from this is both make it a more straightforward process but actually a more secure process by actually having the best um, processes followed through this yeah and i am i'm really curious about how that access process actually works and and i'm sure it's different for every data set but i'm wondering if you could you know if you could walk me through any examples of let's say somebody's interested in in research into covid-19 and they and they wanted to access data that was being collected at nhs trusts or or by some of the other efforts like i i understand this the covid symptom tracker zoe application is is um available through the gateway how would someone then go about accessing that data and and what does that process look like do, do people have to be registered with a research initiative do they have to have ethics in place what kind of data do they they then get back i think a lot of people listening will be wondering if it's you know is it my name is it my address or is it an identifier that could be linked back to me or is it even a you know further level anonymized where there's um you know where there's no individual level data for example and um and very much in terms of it, it will vary depending on the data set so you can imagine there's some data sets which are completely um uh what are called actually synthetic data sets which are using the characteristics of the data but have no real data um or real characters people within it so you, you can have a full in which case that's fully absolutely fine for someone to be utilizing and things on those is no, no possible way of identifying anyone within that um, the, there's a concept called the five safes, which is used and which is around effectively, if you can imagine, you need the combination of these five things to be able to have secure, be confident and trusting in how, how data is being accessed. So first of all, it's being confident. Is, is this a safe person? So safe people is the first one. Um, is, is this researcher from a kind of reputable organization? Are we confident who they are and um, what they're doing? The second one is a safe project. So is, is the project and the research question they're working on, is that something that is a um, kind of com we're confident as to um, what that's done for? The safe setting. So what setting are they actually using the data within? And this is the concept of um, th this um, I mentioned earlier is trusted research environment. Actually, can we create environments where people can come into and work on the data that is secure and trustworthy um, so, we, so we can actually um, have the data within there and then they can take do their analysis within those environments and then take the, um, the, the outcomes and results out rather than having the data moving out. Um, then there's safe outputs as in what gets generated and how is it used afterwards. And then there's the safe data. So you, the kind of range of, well, how, how much information is within this data and how easy is it to identify people? So you've got those kind of five different areas which are considered as you go through the, um, the, the kind of the application process um, for access to data. Do you all get approached by researchers who want to make the data that they're collecting more available in order to have a greater impact? Or do you actually have members of your team that are constantly surveilling which new research studies or collection efforts are underway in, in order to kind of build this resource? Because it strikes me as something that you, um, there's something new coming out every week. So you really need to be on top of it to to keep it up to date. 
Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So, and the data comes from all sorts. So you're, you're um, completely right. Sometimes it's, um, it may be from a charity who's been collecting data associated with a particular disease type. Um, it may be that um, some, some are more obvious in terms of they're the big national kind of NHS types of organizations that are, are capturing information. And some are aspects that come. So if you think what came out from the um, uh, from COVID, there, there are new data sources that get generated and created that a month beforehand you wouldn't have known about wouldn't have been aware of um, so there are a number of things that um, get uh, a number of routes that come through we have something called um, the UK Health Data Research Alliance which is an alliance of all the data custodians and, and the aim is that we bring them and have them as a collective group so that they can agree principles ways of working standards that build an alignment across all of these very diverse and different forms of data so that actually the best practices can be shared and so they can be start to be effectively efficiently working together on that that said there are still lots of data areas where you think actually there needs to be a lot more data gathered collected be it around data from care homes or be it around um, data from ethnicity are both kind of good examples um, that have come out from the covid period there's an awful lot more where um, you'd want to be able to generate and have, have kind of better insights and better data. Um, there's also the quality of data is really quite variable from different sources and different settings. So that, that's a, another big challenge as to how you improve the quality so it can be used for, for all sorts of different. So if you imagine if you're trying to link two different data sets, if the quality um, is not, if there are kind of gaps in I don't identifiers and things on that, it then makes it a lot more challenging to to link data sets together. So so there's a huge amount to do in, in um, kind of different layers of the data. Absolutely. How how do you all as an organization think about where to best focus your, your resources? Because I know you have specific hubs focused around specific diseases, um, like the Breathe Hub that's spoke, focused around asthma, I, I believe, gut reaction, uh, which is focused around inflammatory bowel disease, data can, which is focused around cancer. But then you also support more cross-cutting initiatives like the, I think the, the data gateway is a great example where um, it's more about discoverability and, and it's not specific to any one therapy area or, or, or disease. How do you all think about where you focus those efforts? Is it, is it aligned with some of the priorities of the, of the UK um, you know, healthcare strategy um, in terms of where you focus, or, or is it? Are there low-hanging fruits or, or things that you all have identified that are really important that you feel like you should be focusing your your efforts on? Yeah, so, so I, um, it all is geared around our, our kind of remit and our, our mission vision in terms of it, it is about health data re research. So there's obviously all sorts of uses of health data beyond research in terms of the operational, um, how you run an, um, the kind of the NHS or, um, organizations or how, how say, the, the, the country responds um, kind of decisions by government for, to a pandemic. Our, our aspect is very much focused on research. So within research, then the, there are three areas that we focus on. One is um, this kind of concept of uniting the data. So have we, do we understand what data exists? Are we putting it in an environment and um, setting it up so that it, it is usable for um, for research? Uh, so that, that includes the gateway and includes the alliance in there. There's then the work that we're doing in the hubs, which is actually around how you improve the data. So if you've got data in, in these um, secure environments, how actually then is it enhanced and improved so the quality of it is useful so that people are actually able to um, make the work and discoveries that they need from it. So that, that's where the um, each of the individual um, hubs, so be they disease ones or be they the, the cross-cutting ones, 
what they are doing is working on enhancing different data sets and making them more usable. Um, and then the third aspect of what we're doing is actually then how that data is actually being used. And we've got four national um, as kind of science priorities working in that space, which are what kind of effectively investments being made into understanding causes of disease, um, working on clinical trials, um, how data is used in public health, and actually how data is used in what we call better care, which is around effectively within NHS settings, how the kind of improvement, how, how um, different NHS organisations are using health data to make better decisions in, in hospital settings and in, in, in the wider healthcare settings. That's a great overview. I think we've talked a lot about the first point, which is uniting data. I'm, I'm interested to hear more about the second and third. So if, if we start on the second, which is improving the data, what is it that you all are, are working on or what do you see in, in some of the areas like asthma, IBD, cancer or, or, or others where the data maybe isn't sufficient for some of the research questions that people want to ask? So the first thing that we're, we're doing is really getting to a common agreement on, um, so I've been using the word data quality quite um, uh, merrily through this conversation, but but there's a lot to unpick on what on earth that actually means um, and, and what um, and in whose eyes is quality for what purpose. Um, so we've been spending quite a bit of time in actually defining what, um, getting understanding what different users require what different dimensions of quality they're talking about so is it the completeness of the data is it the timeliness of the data so you could have a the most wonderful data set in the world but if it's only appears two years after the event that limits a number of the purposes for it equally if it only runs for um, six months rather than compared to a data set that runs for 40 years that again has different so, so there are lots of different dimensions of quality um, that we really need to understand and that and that would be defined by what different use cases and different purposes are. So each of the hubs is effectively working out, uh, working with different users. And, and as you can imagine, there's a whole range of different users who want to use health um, data, be it from uh, from government organisations to researchers um, in academic institutions, uh, to industry organisations, to charities. It's working with those different types of users to understand actually what quality of data do they require what are they actually wanting to do with it? What types of research questions or um, I don't know, artificial intelligence type of innovations are they wanting to do in there? And therefore, what, what's needed from the data to be able to do that? So each of the hubs is working with those different user communities to really enhance and improve um, the data, to make it more discoverable for them, to make it more accessible, so that we start really seeing those sorts of innovations and um, areas coming out. So, so a very practical example would be, um, for example, the Breathe Hub worked with the COVID symptom tracker, the Zoe COVID symptom tracker, to then ensure that it was set up in a secure environment in um, in the SAIL database in, in Wales, so that, and, and then enabling the access route through so that different, um, uh, different users were able to securely access that data. So that's a very kind of practical example of the types of things that the hubs are doing, um, so that we then see a whole range of different research um, coming out of that. Right. And so I suppose that probably came out of conversations with some of the researchers that were working in asthma or COPD and, and trying to understand. I think last I checked, there's a, you know, three to four X um, higher rate of hospital admission of people who have, you know, prior asthma or, or COPD diagnosis. So trying to under marry the data that they already have to understand how these diseases work from a fundamental level and, and in the context of the healthcare system with this amazing new application that has 3 million people adding information about their their health and, and daily exposure and things like that. So you all were there to make that connection essentially and bring that data 
together in, in a safe and effective way. Yeah, exactly. And 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 that's just one of the aspects in terms of um, how the Breathe Hub will be doing that, particularly with, the, as you said, the kind of the respiratory kind of thinking on that. But once you have that set up and there, you can think about it from a whole range of different um, uh, kind of implications and um, aspects on there. So each of the hubs is is providing that really valuable service with a particular lens on things. But but what would by linking this in through the alliance and through the gateway, it enables that not just to be kind of siloed into one specific aspect of one disease, um, but actually to be accessible and discoverable for other researchers for other purposes. I had another question about how you improve the data. I'm, I'm just wondering if there's any cross-cutting theme or technology that you're seeing across the board. For example, people feel like they need more longitudinal blood sample collection to understand, you know, what is happening in a in a patient with this disorder, you know, at, at a given point in time for a long period of time, or is it things like patient-generated health data, which is typically not captured very well in the healthcare system? Are there any themes that you see that whether it's, um, you know, breathe insight, gut reaction, cancer, where everybody's saying this is this is data that no one's collecting that we really need? Or is it more that the data basically o- already exists and it's really a matter of, of figuring out how to improve the quality and, and completeness and pull it together into one umbrella? So there's a lot, certainly a lot of the latter. There is a huge amount there, which I would say is is underutilized in terms of um, the the potential of what you could do with what already exists. Um, The next step is then actually what you could do by linking together what already exists and that that opens up a whole other series of um, opportunities in there. What you can do by linking together and improving the quality of what already exists, masses of opportunity there. There are some areas where um, you, you certainly, and I, I mentioned them earlier on the conversation around the opportunities associated with the kind of the care home side um, in terms of, and particularly from a COVID point of view, understanding the information and what's happening in those settings. Um, and then also understanding from an ethnicity point of view, the different aspects of ethnicity, different definitions of ethnicity, um, so that you really can understand uh, what, and that's been very apparent in the COVID period um, of of the different um, cause, the kind of the how, whether people and why people and what certain people are more vulnerable, um, and uh, what then the longer term impacts are for those people. So that there there are definitely gaps in in the data sets, but there's still a massive amount we can do with what we have already. So I wanted to just ask a little bit about what's on the horizon for you all. Obviously, you're three, maybe maybe close to four-year organization at this point. So you have the opportunity to really build things from scratch and build them in a way that is um, you know, set, set up to address some of the health data research challenges of today. And, and you don't have you know, any of the, the baggage that a multi-decade old organization might have where you have to repurpose existing systems. And I've noticed that one of the important pieces that seems to be part of your strategy is working with um, small startups, scale-ups, and and other young companies across the UK to help improve access to data that already exists. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about this. I know you've been involved with the KQ Labs initiative, for example, that that we've been a part of. Yeah, so um, really see this as an incredibly important part of um, aspects. So if you think health data research is a a new field, um, it's a new and growing field, it's going to be absolutely essential that new new organizations new are, are coming in to drive innovation um to contribute to 
all of the different opportunities that will get created from this. Um, and, and they could come from all a range of different settings, may come out of um, existing academic organizations or existing um, industries, um, so, so that, or from the NHS. You could see that organizations could, could be generated that will meet the specific needs that um, are, are, are kind of being generated through health data research. So I see this as a, an incredibly important part of the um, the journey. What what then is important to think through is how do we how do we make data accessible uh, in in safe and trustworthy ways to those sorts of communities so that they actually can um, help help to kind of over, overcome uh, some of the obstacles and challenges associated with that because. Uh, as as we described earlier in the conversation, there are really important and rigorous uh, information governance processes associated with data. Then if you're a small startup organization, are very challenging to navigate. So the more that we can create environments that enable people to come in, and this is where the, this trustworthy research environment uh, concept becomes very important, that they, people can come in and work in a secure setting, you can be much more confident and you can actually create a lot more innovation for for those smaller startup type of organizations. I was also curious about how you all think about patient or user facing either data collection or, or applications. I know you've been involved with um, the NHS Digi Trials, which at at some point is a is certainly a patient facing um, application because the goal is to help patients match with clinical trials and clinical researchers to help find participants in their research studies. But beyond those kind of applications, there's also uh, a huge lack of patient-generated data in, in many kinds of earlier stage research studies. Is, is this something that you all have on, on the horizon in, in terms of either building tools yourself or, or partnering with, um, with some of the existing organizations that are, that are also doing things in this area? Yeah, this is something we see as absolutely essential and um, crucial to to what we do as a um, as an organisation, but also how health data research really can be impactful and um, effective. So, given the whole point of health data research is is it's using data that is data about all of us, it would be then very bizarre not to have patients and public absolutely involved and ingrained in in the process. So we we um, ad, have. Uh, patients and public, in, if I perhaps give the COVID um, situation as, as an example, we, we've had um, patients and members of the public, we, we have a kind of team of about 60 um, people who volunteered to help with prioritising research questions, helping to um, understand uh, new innovations or ideas that are being generated through the use of health data. Um, public and patients are involved in, um, in, in, in many of the data custodians in, in the kind of the um, access processes. So it's, it's absolutely essential through the whole journey of how health data is used that um, patients, members of the public, but also I'd say practitioners as well, are really involved in understanding why health data matters, how it's being used, um, who's using it, what's being generated from it, um, and, and so that this is becomes a, a, almost a, a very normal and well understood and very transparent um, cycle uh, that's happening within the UK. Absolutely. Do, do you see a world where, you know, I as a um, someone who lives in the UK and, and is treated in the National Health Service could have access to, to all of my data in one place on my phone or, or accessible via cloud? Or do you think that that's not realistic in terms of the privacy considerations and, and other pieces? And, and actually, it's, um, you know, the, the data is likely to stay 
stay where it is and and only be accessible by you know my my doctor and researchers that I give um, permission to. I guess there's you know on, on one hand I see a potential future where access to our individual level data is is, is really free flowing and people can have access. But I suppose I see another future where concerns about privacy and data protection grow to an extent that uh, data becomes more locked down. I'm wondering if you have a, a view on on which direction we're headed. Yes, it's, uh, it, 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 and, and as you can say, you can, as you can as you follow the chain of thought, you can go into a number of different directions and things with that. I, I think from if I almost limit it to the area of what, what we're really focused on, which is around how data is used for research purposes, um, that then means that um, in terms of how an individual, so say how I could have access to my own data for own series of purposes, that's something I wouldn't particularly have a, a, a kind of a view on in terms of um, how that happens. And there's a lot of different aspects you'd have to think quite carefully through from in terms of what I would do with that information, how I'd be able to draw insights from it for my healthcare. So there's a whole series of healthcare clinical decision-making aspects in there you'd, I think you'd want to think through quite carefully and I clearly have personal opinions and things on that but from an HDRUK point of view um, we we would be very much looking at the research end of the, the journey in terms of how that data and, and therefore it's not really around the individual data person's data is around how that data in aggregate tells us about a disease or tells us about a um, so we can actually make discoveries from that point of view. No, absolutely. And I think it makes sense that it's important to think about it through the the research lens versus the the healthcare lens, because there may be different answers to that question. Um, to, to close out here, I was wondering if there are any initiatives or or new projects that you all are working on that you're most excited about for the future. Um, it, it can be, um, you know, it can be something that's that's ongoing that you're excited about or, or something new that you have on the horizon. Yes, there's huge amounts of exciting things happening. So I, I'd say the really, um, uh, really exciting aspects in terms of uh, what's happening with the gateway. So in terms of the what I discovered, what I kind of mentioned earlier on the conversation was around actually having being able to discover the different data sets. What we're then looking to do is actually how you can start doing um, what's called almost federated analytics. So between the so can can we set up environments where you have your environments established um, that then allow and how can you then start linking between so you can have analytics so a, a researcher's analytical question um, going between different settings to actually draw um, a kind of much wider work on much wider data sets as a result of that so that's something that's really interesting we're also doing in um, working in partnership with the um, the Gates Foundation and looking at um, and this is associated with COVID on an international scale around actually how can you how can we be doing health data research at an international level to kind of global level uh, and and what would it take to do that and how do we set up environments and the the secure processes and um, really interesting questions to explore in, in that area um, and that's also been building off work that was being done um, in Alzheimer's prior to um, uh, pr prior to COVID. So Alzheimer's is obviously a, a fascinating area from to to explore further in there. And then the um, the, the kind of third and most immediate um, aspect is actually what we're um, what's happening in COVID in the next stage and how we draw on. So we were very involved in um, the COVID uh, support and um, how how research questions were being prioritised and how data was being um, collected and uh, research being generated to support the COVID response and support SAGE. 
as we now look to the next stage um, of, of looking ahead, we can then draw on a lot of those lessons to then, um, and we're working with um, with researchers across the UK to actually work at um, the, the national studies that now need to be put in place. How can we now set up the, the environments that allow even bigger scale um, uh, work to happen um, and be much more focused and actually much more rapid um, turnaround of insights and results so that we can really support um, the national endeavour on this. So that that's going to be a, a really quite transformational piece um, for health data research. Absolutely. And and just off the back of um of really point two and point three, I'm I'm wondering if the if the response that you all have had to COVID has taught you something about other parts of the health data research ecosystem. Obviously it's been a huge catalyst um to to more open access to data and and bringing you know bringing people together to try to solve a pressing problem. Have you have you learned anything from from the work you've done in COVID that you think you'll be able to apply into into other areas around speeding access to to data, uniting data in better ways or or otherwise supporting health data research? Yes, yeah, so it's certainly um, I think it's shown the the power of really good research questions. So that that's been a really key part of uh you really defining supporting researchers to get um very well defined questions that then the data can be applied to if you can imagine there's all sorts of data so asking very open-ended questions um you'll quickly get sunk under a, an ocean of data so really that that kind of power of um, a well-crafted and well-defined question is is um, really important in there uh the um the, the importance and the the power of engaging patients and the public in in uh, in the research work and use of data and seeing that as actually a very positive and way of doing better research uh, rather than i think there's, there've been some views in the past and perhaps around uh, that it will slow things down um i think we've been able to demonstrate through covid that's not been the case actually it's been incredibly fast and you've ended up with better results by doing that uh there's then also the um uh, i think the the kind of the opportunities of, uh, I think, the scale of new data that's come out through uh, the the kind of national um, the response uh, and actually how rapidly those can then be put into secure environments and be and be used. It, it then kind of gives you a sense of actually we now are creating what's a national infrastructure that then allows us to be able to adopt and bring on board more data sets and more different areas in a way that people can be secure and confident in terms of how, how that's being used. That that feels like now that we've almost been able to demonstrate that kind of proof of concept through COVID, that allows us to then be able to utilize that at an even bigger scale going forward. So I think all of the lessons from COVID are immediately applicable to pretty much every other disease you'd be wanting to use health data in. So it's been a very important um, not just in the COVID response, but I think a really important uh, step in terms of how data will be used um, for health going forward. Absolutely. I, I'm I'm really optimistic that the level of patient involvement, the level of communication of scientific results, and, and also just this, this speed and the sense of urgency that data has been shared and, and that people have come together for for this crisis can can be transferred in some way to all of the other disease areas that that need to you know that need a similar sense of urgency because if we think about um you know rare diseases as a as a category um things that you mentioned earlier like alzheimer's disease or, or even some of the autoimmune conditions that affect millions of people in the uk um you know i, I think some of these same principles of, of data sharing and and crossing crossing some of these data sets that are not 
previously wanted to wanted to play together for whatever reason, um, I think has potential to really accelerate progress in, in a number of different areas. Yes, absolutely. So I'd just like to say thank you so much, Caroline. If if people want to keep track of your work, I, I know they can visit your website. Um, it's hdruk.org or hdruk.ac.uk. Um, I think also they can visit the the gateway to um, to see some of the data sets that you all have uh, have helped to link together with COVID. How do they visit the the gateway, and and what sort of people is it is it best for? Yes, yeah, sorry, we're going for a change on that at the moment. So it's, it's .ac.uk, but it, it is actually going to become .org. So, um, uh, and also the other thing I'd, I'd recommend is that um, actually to look at the um, open for anyone to look at, and you can just type in different uh, words that you're interested in, and it will help you show what sorts of data is associated with that. So I think it's it's, it's a very accessible and really interesting um, resource to explore. So I'd encourage uh, anyone to have a look through that who's interested in health data have a look through it and um, and also it's uh, um, it's constantly evolving and being developed so please do provide any feedback on that would be gratefully received wonderful thank you so much caroline thanks for all the great work that you all have done and and best wishes wishes uh, going forward it's a pleasure thank you for inviting me